Welcome to the About Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Skirtu, and you can find me at www.aboutsexpodcast.com, or you can also find me at www.therapistinstlouis.com. Today, I actually don't have an interviewee, so I decided to do an episode about infidelity. One of my biggest practice pieces is working with clients who've been impacted by infidelity. In fact, I'm in, I have been in business now for nine years doing therapy, and about 60 to 70% of my client caseload are people who are working through infidelity. And so I thought today could be a fun day to explore what happens when somebody is going through an infidelity and how how couples actually work through that process. Because quite a few of my clients and potential clients are always interested in, like, is this something that can be worked through? What do you do? How, how do you make it through this issue? And so that's what today's about. All right, now before we get into this next conversation, I just want to stop to give us a word from our new sponsors. So I am now working with a really cool company called Let's Get Checked. You can find them at trilgc.com slash stay kinky. What's really cool about this company actually is that they're doing testosterone testing for men and hormone checks for men and women. A lot of people are struggling with hormonal imbalances and reduced testosterone levels, which really can impact your sex life. And so more and more men and women are trying to test their hormone levels to see how they're doing. One in four men over 30 are actually low in testosterone. Symptoms you might want to look at include fatigue, erectile dysfunction, low sex drive, anxiety, brain fog, even having a hard time making decisions, which is basically most of my client population. (laughs) Just teasing. But I mean, enough of you who come see me are actually really struggling with testosterone levels and your sex drive. So what's cool about this group is you can pick from either a male hormone test kit, a female hormone test kit, or an STD test kit. And what's really cool is they send it right to you in your home. You do what you need to do to take the test. And depending on what test you use, you'll either have to do a blood sample or a blood sample and a urine sample. And then you send it back and everything's completely confidential. And basically they deliver to your home, they collect your sample, they review your results for you. So depending on what happens with your test, they may provide a prescription in some cases. Usually it would only be for something like if they're treating STDs. If you do end up having something longer term like hormone therapy, then you'll likely be referred to a longer term provider. But at least you'll know where you stand. So it's really cool. Your results are available and they'll be reviewed by a physician. And then a nurse will contact you for a consultation over the phone. The Let's Get Checked Laboratories are CLIA approved and everything is completely anonymous. So again, that website is trylgc.com slash stay kinky and use the coupon code stay kinky to get 20% off. So for starters, usually people start with me um, right after an infidelity has occurred. It's actually pretty common for me to get a call like the next day. So there's how to frame this is um, initially there's this D-Day and that D-Day is when everything kind of explodes. Somebody finds out that somebody else has cheated and basically it feels like your world has collapsed for both parties. And so when that occurs, couples go into a scramble mode where they're they're scared, they're overwhelmed. The person who has been cheated on will... Um, want to know every piece of information that they possibly can find out. And oftentimes the person who did cheat um, is scared to share or struggling with what they should or shouldn't share details um, because they don't want to hurt their partner. 
but they already have. And so there's this experience from the person who has cheated of how do I manage the chaos that I've created in this relationship. And sometimes there's other things going on for that person too. Like if a person feels justified, for example, sometimes cheating occurs after a couple has struggled a lot in a relationship. And so it's not, so I want to make it really clear. Cheating isn't something that I condone or I think is a reasonable way of handling problems in a relationship. It's not, but there are reasons that people cheat, right? So sometimes people justify their action with cheating because that the people have had a really rough relationship for a long time or even for a period or they feel abandoned. You know, these are the different things that I hear from clients in session. And so that becomes the justification for, well, they don't care about me. So this is why I did this. Right. And so sometimes when that's the case, people have trouble taking ownership for the fact that it caused so much chaos in the relationship because they think, well, you know, this, all this happened first. So if this hadn't happened, I wouldn't have done these things. So initially people will be in like two or three days post D-Day and they'll come in pretty soon, which I've got to say, I do appreciate people coming in earlier because there's a lot At that time, what I do is a lot of crisis stabilization and helping couples not make the situation worse. So my favorite situation is when people come in very early. However, sometimes people don't come in to me right away. There will be people who try to manage it themselves first for a time, and they may come in to me two or three months down the road or even a year or two years down the road after they haven't really done anything to address it other than they tried to hear the story and move on. So when people first come into therapy, then some of the work I'm doing is helping them to process that, like what's happened. A big job I need to do is help couples start having a healthy conversation around this issue and around other issues if there were other issues in the relationship. So if couples are in defensive modes or fighting each other or just not listening, Um, that's not a healthy conversation around infidelity or around other issues. And so one of my first priorities is teaching couples how to have the more healthy conversation. And the healthy conversation is harder, but it sounds more like people asking questions like, what happened? When did it happen? How did this happen? Things like that. But they're in a more emotionally supported space. So the bad conversations happen when somebody's having a panic attack or a trigger and they're trying to find out all the information they can, but the problem is both partners end up in fight or flight when they're having this conversation. So the information isn't helpful. It doesn't heal anything. If anything, these conversations make things feel worse. But when they're healing, you're both listening to each other. You're trying to talk and share You're trying to understand what happened and why it happened, but you're not attacking each other. You're not accusing each other. You're just listening and trying to understand. And the healthy conversations aren't all one way. So yes, the person who cheated is sharing some of the stuff they struggled with and some of the choices they made that led them to cheat. But they're also, as a couple, describing things like, these are some of the things that made me unhappy. Like both of us and both parties are sharing, I struggled with this. I felt abandoned here. I felt lonely. 
or if it wasn't, like that's the other thing. So there's not always a problem in the relationship when people cheat. Sometimes an opportunity arose and people didn't put in boundaries to stop it. And so in those cases, they're still having, like I still need to get couples having a healthy conversation, but exploring what led them down that path, things they may need to do going forward to improve that situation and make sure they never, they're never going to do that again, essentially. But once I get couples then having that healthier conversation, then steps along the way are preventing them from hurting each other worse. So for example, coming up with decisions around should they talk to the other person, often there's a whole conversation about do I want to talk to the person you cheated with? And there's some pros and cons to that. But I help couples figure out whether that's a good option or a more harmful option. And just for all of you listeners, for why it might not always be the best situation is that like what helps people heal is moving on, right? And so if you constantly talk to that other person, either person, whether it's the person who was cheated on or the person who cheated, keeping contact with that other person extends the chaos around that affair. It, it doesn't end the relationship. What people need is for it to be completely cut off and like removed. You need you need a space from it where you just focus on each other as a couple. And so I've seen it be harmful either side. If somebody who was cheating still can't let go of that person and keeps talking to them and saying, well, we're just friends now, but it's like, I'm sorry, you <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to explain this, but like this is a person you cheated on them with, so staying in contact with them just causes more harm. It makes them feel like you're still choosing that other person over them. So in the most ideal situations, that situation ends. There's no more talking. But I've also seen it be harmful with the the other person, the person who was cheated on, the hurt partner is what we typically call them. If they keep talking to that person, even because they're angry and they're like, I've seen people go into, like every time they talk to that person, it re-triggers the hurt around the situation. And so usually what I counsel people to do is if they need one conversation, one is fine, but no more. And I usually don't suggest in person because sometimes violence occurs and that can impact people long-term. Like, you know, if you go beat somebody up, you can go to jail. <laughs> even, even though they cheated with your partner, doesn't matter. Like that's something that can impact you forever. So um, I usually suggest if they do have a conversation with them that it either be on the phone with both parties present. So both the person who cheated and the hurt partner and that the conversation really be a putting that person in their place. Like don't ever talk to us again. Don't ever reach out again. Um, but it doesn't have to be a phone call. It can also be an email that the couple sends as a team that says, don't ever reach out again. We're working on ourselves. You're not welcome in our lives, period. You know, like it, it's just, but whatever it is, it's basically meant to oust the other person so that the whole focus now is how do we as a couple start to heal? So that's another thing we address is how did they exit that person from their lives? And then another thing we start to address in that crisis phase is what are the things that were difficult in the relationship? What were things that were missing? Because even in situations where people weren't necessarily unhappy, I have noticed that couples go through a disillusionment in their relationship after they've been together for a while. I don't even think it's, it's not always that like they were having big fights or angry, but 
sometimes they were just bored with each other. And I, I don't think we as, as a society talk about this disillusionment, this sort of like you're in the relationship, but you're kind of going through the motions and you're just not as invested. Like there are ways that people check out from their relationship. And so what I often find is while things weren't necessarily bad or terrible, there was a portion of their lives that they were just bored and feeling unfulfilled. And again, none of these are excuses for why people should cheat. I really do not condone cheating. But these are meant to help people understand why people do this and how they cross these lines. And so a very common thing that happens is people will have a period of disillusionment or boredom. And another common thing is if somebody very significant in their life has passed away, so like a parent dying or a child or a sibling, somebody that was really important, a friend, because death death makes people reevaluate their lives. And so you can go through these boredom periods or disillusionment periods for a time, but when a death occurs, it makes you reevaluate what you want out of life. And so that oddly is a common trait of affairs as well, is somebody passing away about a year prior or close to the time it occurs. And um, basically people start realizing, I only have so much life to live and I need something, I need to do something. I need something better for myself and, I, and they don't know what. And usually around this time, somebody else who's in a similar space just crosses paths with them. And that's how affairs start is what's also common there is usually it'll start with people just talking to each other and just being friends, but having some kind of new person in their life or a person that was already there, but that they've felt a connection to. And then over time, they just start talking and engaging. And then it seems to like rev up quickly once somebody starts flirting or talking, you know, and this is the thing. So what people will do is they'll They'll justify it by because it'll feel innocent at first, right? Like, we're just talking. It's just somebody to share some life with, right? And so that's a way they kind of justify it and, and compartmentalize it. But each time you justify crossing one of those lines or boundaries, it becomes easier and quicker to get to that next step. So it starts maybe with a, somebody says something kind of flirty and, and you kind of think, oh, well, it's not a big deal. It was innocent. And then that's the way they justify it and compartmentalize it. And then the next step is you kind of flirt back and maybe you've been flirting for a while because, well, it was you already justified crossing that line, right? And then it'll move towards um, somebody actually says or like lets out that they like the other person. Or if, if there were a situation where you could be together, it would be you would choose each other. And that usually is the point of no return when people share that they actually like each other because there's just something very intoxicating about feeling liked and valued. And so at, at a point though, what's interesting is there's usually a time at that point where they realize, oh my God, we've crossed a line and, and they'll be like, we can't do anything. And there may even be a, a pullback around that time where they avoid each other for a moment, but then they're drawn back because there's still that sense of disillusionment and lack of fulfillment in their lives. And so they inevitably get drawn back together until they keep crossing those boundaries and justifying that and end up together. And somewhere along the line is where people find out about this. So like a partner will find out, can find out at the beginning stages, somewhere in the middle, 
or after things have really, really gone way too far. And what's interesting is the partner who did cheat is often very confused about what happened and how it happened. So by the time people see me, there will be this other conversation of how did this happen? Why did this happen? And some of my therapeutic process is helping couples talk through that and figure out like how did this happen or why? What's wrong with us or what's wrong with me? And the person who cheated often can't give very good explanations for why they did what they did. They struggle to explain it because they really don't get it. Like they, It just kind of happened, and that's what it feels like for them, and it happens so fast. And every one of them says, this isn't me. This isn't who I am. Like I, I'm not this person, yet somehow they did this thing. And so that's that's the big challenge is that helping helping one that person who did cheat come to an understanding of like what what occurred to allow them to get to that space but then for the person who was hurt by the cheating their goal is figuring out like why this happened what what can be done it, what do what what blame is mine and what blame is yours and the hardest part is helping couples figure out how they're going to work as a team to fix it going forward because the person who is hurt often says, I don't know if I should stay. I don't know if it's safe. And so another part of therapy is helping them come to terms with doing therapy, even if for a time they're not sure if they're going to stay or go. Like I give people permission to not know that for a time. And actually both parties, because sometimes the cheater also feels that way as well. Like they're not sure because they, if they have fallen in love, they have to decide to choose to come back to this relationship. And some people aren't there yet when they see me, when they first start working. And so that's a part of the therapeutic process too, is helping people make that decision, helping people to start the work of therapy, even if they're not ready to commit. And I do want people to know that listening in, you don't have to commit yet. Like All I ask people to do in that beginning part is to commit to therapy and working on it and seeing if they can make it better. Because ultimately, in the end, it's one of those things that everybody, like universally, people believe it's an unforgivable act, but it's crazy to me that actually most people do end up working through it and forgiving it. I mean, not right away, obviously. Like, that's another, so that's another thing that we work on in therapy is how to forgive, what that process looks like. Sometimes I have to basically teach people like forgiveness isn't something you do all at once and just like move on. Like that's just not how it works. Forgiveness is a process and and essentially I'm walking a couple through that process in therapy. So for anybody listening in, um, that's actually just a taste, just a hair of some of what we work on, but just giving you an idea of what therapy would look like if you did come in and try to work on things if one of you has cheated and you're just trying to find your path. And not all of it's in the crisis phase. At a certain point, we move on and we really work on the relationship issues and address how you guys as a team can prevent this from happening going forward, but how you can make the relationship as strong as possible so that neither of you has any reason to cheat. But at the same time, please don't mishear me. I'm not giving justification for it. You are always responsible for the choices you make in this world. So anyhow, this has been Angela Skirtu, and you can find me at www.therapistinstlouis.com.
you can also listen to this podcast at www.aboutsexpodcast.com. Thank you all for listening and stay kinky, St. Louis.